continuing our, our series on hashtag struggles and you know so far we've looked at a couple areas that uh, people struggle with last you know a few weeks ago we looked at happiness and we looked at relationships and man last week we were blessed right with pastor wendy and she talked about uh, uh, you know the the concept of unshaken right as she told us her testimony and i think we were all just blessed and encouraged by that so today we're going to come back into the the series and we're going to tackle another one, uh, an area that maybe you'll be surprised when I tell you the, the topic uh, that, that it's been affected and impacted uh, by social media, but we'll, we'll talk about how that is, because today is hashtag compassion. And you can say, man, how in the world has compassion been infected by, uh, impacted by social media? But we'll, we'll take a look at it, and I think we'll see that it has, uh, both positively and, and negatively. So... You know, I always like to start off by turning to my American Heritage Dictionary. Because, it, you know, if you start there, you know, for, for knowing what the word, you know, it helps. So I just thought I'm going to look up compassion. What's the definition of compassion? Well, the American Heritage Dictionary 1972 edition says it is a deep feeling, a deep feeling of sharing the suffering of another and the inclination to give aid or support. Also says it's to show mercy. So let's take a look. What kind of impact, positive or negative, has social media and technology had on that spirit of compassion in our daily lives? Look, there's no doubt that social media, uh, and some of us have agreed we're not really big into that. Some of us use it, some of us don't, okay? But there's no doubt that social media has really helped make a significant impact positively, a positive difference in our world, okay? For one thing, you know, if you think about it, with social media today, any individual or group can raise awareness of a topic like almost immediately or in, and in real time. I'll give you an example. Anybody remember the ice bucket challenge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, before that, a couple of years ago, right, who was having conversations about Lou Gehrig's disease? Like, nobody, right? And all of a sudden, this thing comes up, and for several months, all you saw on social media was people dumping, you know, buckets of cold, icy water on their head. And, and of course, it was the buzz, and it raised a lot of awareness of ALS, but it also raised millions of dollars, okay? So, the so I mean, here's this, this situation that came out of nowhere, became a huge viral, you know, impact, but then what happened? Just about as quickly as it came, it's gone. It's gone. On a more personal level, you know, somebody can post a prayer need on their Facebook page. I, some of my friends, I see a fair number of those. And if you think about it, within minutes, 10 people, 25 people, 50 people from around town or around the world can respond and tell you that they're praying for you. I mean, think about that, that the, the ability for you to connect with people and to have people respond and to help in positive ways. It's, it's huge. It's powerful. I mean, I think it's kind of amazing, okay? But there's some downsides to this thing as well. You know, there's been some studies. I've read this in a book. There's been some studies in the last number of years that when they ask people questions like, uh, these are the questions that would be in the, in the studies. Like, 
I sometimes try to understand my friends better by looking at things from their perspective. Or I often have tender or concerned feelings about people less fortunate than me. Over the last couple of decades, the responses to those, the favorable responses, have just gone down dramatically that people say, I do those things. So if people are caring less about others, how might social media, you know, as we say, in our selfie-centered world, uh, you know, be contributing to that? Well, there's a few things, okay? First, I think most of us will acknowledge just broadly in society, that in the recent years, people have become way more obsessed with themselves than ever before, okay? I mean, and frankly, nothing shouts this louder than selfies, (laughs) you know? I mean, (laughs) that's kind of it, right? I mean, think about it. Turning a camera on yourself until the last decade, who ever heard of that? I mean, I'm not even sure with my brownie instamatic, I don't even know how you would have done that. You know, I mean, your little, you know, my little thing. You know, I mean, you, but think about it. Today, that's become, okay. And, and people that do it, they don't just have one, right? I mean, they got the selfie, you know, driving the car. They got the selfie, you know, with their dog. And, you know, of course, every time they have a really great dessert that you wish you had, they got one with them in their dessert, smiling and, you know, holding it up. You know, I mean, and, and I mean, some people, I've been on their Facebook pages, and I mean, they must have 100 selfies, right, doing like every, everything, okay? I like to post ones of me when I get my hair done because I know all of you, I know all of you really like to see that. You know, it's just... I get more likes for that than, you know, than, than, than anything else. You know, why do people do this? Well, you think about it. You know, when, when, we, when we put stuff up there, right, and, and, you, and you go on, I think, I think what we would see is most people actually, the majority of what they do on social media is actually, like, about themselves. Okay. And so, if you think about it, if I'm going on to social media and, I'm, and, and I put up a selfie and I'm, every time I'm checking it, say, well, how many people liked it, right? Well, if I get likes, right, and every time I make a post, a whole bunch of people like it or make comments about it, right? And, I mean, at, at some point, what happens is when we feel affirmed, right, because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 20 people liked what I did or 50 people liked what I did, you know what the brain does? The brain gives us a little shot of dopamine, the natural feel-good chemical that's in our bodies, right? So if every time I do this thing, I have practiced this behavior, and I get a little release of dopamine, pretty soon I like that feeling. So even if I don't think about it consciously, what it does is it causes me to want to do it more often because I want to feel that way. I want to feel good about myself. And so this whole thing of social media... It has really caused us to, to almost turn more on ourselves because that feeling we like, and it kind of becomes addictive in our lives. The second thing social media does is, you know, it really allows us to make needs known in, like, real time, okay? I mean, think about the hurricane a few weeks ago, right? I mean, man, we, we see pictures of hurricanes and typhoons and car wrecks and and, 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 and birthday parties, I mean, but think about it, I mean, but we, we see things so, like, when they're happening, 
And today, we even have, like on certain things, there's live broadcast capabilities, right, you know, to do things live. I mean, we can actually, we've seen some things recently where we watch things happen, okay, if not live, immediately following. Now, if we're not careful, every, when we get overexposed to something, what happens to us? We become desensitized to it, Right? They talk about that with kids playing video games, violent video games, right? If all of a sudden you're used to shooting people, you know, on screen, it perhaps takes a little less effort to turn that to shooting people in real life, okay? It just seems the same. But the more pain we see, the more commonplace it becomes to us, probably the easier it is next time you see it just to care a little less because you go, well, there's so much of it going on. What, what, what can I do? What can I do? Third thing is if we aren't careful, social media actually pulls us away from other people because we kind of start living online. We start spending our time there instead of actually with other people. And this lack of personal interaction, this lack of personal contact, you know, okay, just begins to make it easier for us not to care about real people and real needs. You know, you could lose your job, okay? And, and, you, and you could paste that on, you know, post that on Facebook, right? And, and some people you know and who, and who like you could, you know, within a little while, whenever they happen to see it, right, could, could even make it not, isn't it weird people like things like that? I mean, don't like you, you know, people like even bad, you know. But could comment, they could comment and say, so sorry to hear it, praying for you. But here's the deal. Do they actually pray for you? Okay? I mean, it may have to do with, did the phone, right after they wrote that, did the phone ring? Did the doorbell ring? Are they late for a meeting? You know, they may or may not ever actually get around to it. Now, does that, maybe they were sincere, but does it really follow through? On the other hand, you know, if you and I were sitting together at a coffee shop, across the table, and you say, hey, I got to tell you, man, I just lost my job. And I'm sitting there, and I see the pain in your eyes, and you're telling me, you know, I don't even know how I'm going to go home and tell my family. I don't know how I'm going to, you know, adjust the budget. I mean, I don't, I don't know how. Man, when I sit there and say, Let, you know, I want to pray for you, well, man, we can just pray right now, right? We can just pray right now. I mean, this, this idea of, of, of meeting real needs and, and being face-to-face, look, the more we just live our lives online, the easier it is for us just to disconnect from the real feelings of people and the real suffering that they go through. And so what I want us to really get to today, if we see that thing, is to truly understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, we're just really called to more. We're called to more of this isolated life of online living and liking and, you know, making random comments, okay? We need to really understand that this concept of compassion is real, it matters, and it counts. So let me just make a couple of real plain points right now, okay? First thing, what we really need to understand is that true compassion results in action. It results in you doing something, okay? In fact, the Greek word, the word compassion is from the Greek, and and the, the root of that word actually is to be moved to action, It's to be moved to action, okay? It's not just an emotion. Compassion is not just an emotion. It is is a a, a feeling that it leads to action. It's connected, okay? The second thing that we need to really understand 
Is it to say you care, but to not act is to not care at all? How do we do this? Well, we can see something on Facebook and we like it, or we add that brief, you know, so sorry. Let's just be real clear. Clicking is not caring. Clicking is not caring. Okay? Acting is caring. Caring isn't liking my post. It's loving a person. It's loving a person. Okay? You got to go get involved in your lives. Let's now, is that just is that some good psychologist thoughts? Is that just something we can read in a book, in a textbook? No, man, that's right out of Scripture, isn't it? That is the life of Jesus being lived right in front of us. Let's just look at a few examples just so we we really get in our spirits that this idea of compassion is, is something that is critical to our lives and it's critical to our faith. It's critical to who we are as believers. Let's just look at three stories really quick. First is Mark 1, verses 40 and 41. This is uh, the men with leprosy and a man came with leprosy and came to Jesus and he begged him for mercy on his knees and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion. Right in the scripture. Filled with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man and said, I'm willing. Be clean. He was filled with compassion. His compassion led him to do something. Compassion led him to do something. Matthew 14, 14. Let's look at that one. Actually, I'm going to read 13 and 14. This is, when the, this is just after the beheading of John the Baptist, and he and the disciples uh, kind of got away, and uh, they wanted to get to a solitary place. And, but when the crowds heard where Jesus is gone, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Think about this. Jesus just had some bad news. His cousin John's been, been beheaded. This is a time, I mean, this is like one of those times of mourning, a time of sadness. This is a time when, when most of us would say, you know what, I, I just need to get away for a day or two. You know, I need a break. Don't, don't tug on me. Don't pull on me. Don't ask stuff from me right now. You know, don't, don't ask me to come be nice right now. Just, just let me, I need to just get right. I need to heal. I need to think about this. But think about, in spite of all that, Jesus saw those people and immediately he saw a need, he felt compassion, and he acted, and he healed them. In the middle of his own suffering. In the middle of his own. Third one, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 20, uh, 29 to 34. This is, uh, this is uh, Jesus uh, healing some blind men. And it talks about, it says, Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. And, Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, told them, be quiet. They didn't want him to bother them, you know. They yell louder. I love guys. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to not listen to the crowd, right, and do, do what you know you need to do. Jesus stopped, and he called to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, oh, Lord, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. (coughs) Not only did he have compassion, 
I mean, he was on his way. You know, I mean, let's put this in today's terms. Jesus was on his way somewhere. It's like you and me in the car. We were like, he's on his way somewhere. He was en route. Somebody interrupted him. Instead of saying, got no time for that. I'm busy. I'm late. I got to get there. Right? My schedule's important. Yeah. He stopped. He stopped. And think about it too. These guys touching them. Priests would all said, dude, you're unclean. Touch these guys. But no, he was willing. He was willing to be there. He was willing to meet the needs. Look, when we feel compassion, when we see the life of Jesus, when we see the things he did, what we can understand is that the more, the more that I think about my life, the more that I live my life like Jesus did, the one thing's for sure is I will think more about Jesus and I will think more about others than I will think about me. It will pull me away from a selfie-centered world that's all about me and all about am I happy and all about what do I want. And it will cause me to spend way more of my time thinking about what are the needs of others and how can I meet them and how can Jesus use me to be his hands and feet. And so can you. Three ways today that I think can help us if we'll look at how can we apply this to our lives. How can we, how can we actually embrace this concept of compassion and how can we make it real in what we do. First thing is we have to be willing to allow our schedule to be interrupted by compassion. Because if you want to walk out a life of compassion, let me assure you, your schedule will be interrupted. It will be interrupted. Over and over, we saw it in those examples. Jesus was on his way somewhere. Jesus, he had a plan. I mean, Jesus was busy, right? I mean, let's, let's kind of make this current. Jesus was a busy guy. You know, Jesus just didn't sit back under palm trees and, right? You know, I mean, everything we see, he was, a, in fact, Scripture says, what did Jesus say about himself? I'm about my father's business, right? So Jesus was a busy guy. The fact that Jesus was a willing, in spite of being a busy guy and everywhere he was going, it, he was, if he was going somewhere, there was always a purpose, right? He wasn't just wandering around going, well, which, the wind's from the north, let's walk that way. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a purpose, and yet on his way to places he was going with a purpose, he allowed himself to be interrupted to meet needs, to show compassion to people. Now, is it possible, is it possible that God is oftentimes trying to use divine interruptions to get our attention and to help and to have us meet the needs of those around us, but we are so busy and so determined to stay on schedule and to say, you know, i got to get there, that we're willing to just look over, around, past the needs that he actually puts right in front of us. That he actually puts right in front of us. You know, I love the story of, uh, it's in Mark 2, 1 to 12. It's the story of the four friends who carried their paralyzed friend, you know, to Jesus, right? And so what, you know, if you think about that story, right? I won't read the whole thing today, but, you know, they, they're going to bring him to Jesus. Jesus is, he was in a house, right? But let's just think about it, you know. So Jesus is at church preaching, <laughs> okay? 
And, and, the, and it's a huge crowd. And four friends say, Jesus can heal our friend. And the story tells us that they bring him on a mat, try to get into the church, but the church folks won't make room to let him through. They can't get to him. So what did they do? They didn't give up. They didn't go home. They didn't text people, right? They get up on the roof, and they dig a hole in the roof. (laughs) And can you imagine the straw and the dust and the stuff falling down on Jesus? Because they're right above his head, right? Because if they dug it back over here, it wouldn't have done him any good. They'd have come down in the crowd. They're digging it over. So here you are preaching, and there's dust and straw and stuff falling on your head. And all of a sudden, this guy's getting lowered down. Now, most guys that are in the middle of a sermon don't take to real kindly when people interrupt them. (laughs) You think about it, right? I mean, most people that are giving a speech of any kind or talking don't really want to be interrupted. Okay? But here's Jesus preaching to people, and all of a sudden, he gets interrupted. And isn't it cool that he didn't yell at those guys? He didn't say, what are you doing? Get this, you know, I don't do the, you know, this isn't normal office hours, you know? He, 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 he interrupted. He interrupted what was going on to minister to this one guy. I think God is regularly putting the opportunity for divine interruptions in front of us. Question is, will we miss them because we're so focused on sticking with the plan, staying on schedule, tight agenda, or are we open to hearing what God wants to do in our lives and responding? Second thing is we got to be willing to pay the price of compassion. Because if we want to live out a life of compassion, trust me, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You know, Jesus told a story, about, uh, story of the Good Samaritan. You know that story, right? The guy, the guy's walking down from Jericho, you know, the, Samar- uh, the, the Jewish guy's walking, and he gets beat up by robbers and tossed on the side, and several people walk by, Jewish priests, different people, all the people who you'd think would have a lot of care for this guy walk right by, don't do a thing for him. Samaritan comes by, enemy. Okay, Jews hated the Samaritans, okay? This guy stops, has compassion on the man. Now let's just think for a minute, real practically, okay? Let's, this is not the spiritual part, this is the practical part. It'll become the spiritual part. He, he dresses and mends his wounds. Now, this wasn't a paramedic. I'm, so I'm just going to guess he didn't have a medical kit with him. You know what I mean? We all want to say, oh, yeah, he dressed his wounds. You know, he, he went and got his first aid kit. No, I think, you know, I think what the guy did was he ripped his shirt. I mean, most of us, right, don't have a medical kit with us. Okay? So if he, if he cleaned and dressed his wounds, then he had to use something he had. So it wasn't what he was wearing. It was some of the clothes he had with him for his trip. Okay? And then it says that he took him to an inn. And it says he paid two denarii to the innkeeper for the guy to stay there to, to, to recover. Now, a denarii, we know from other places, was a day's wages. So let me just, let's just make this real practical. So if somebody makes nine bucks an hour, which is like Burger King money, right? Okay, I mean, I'm not talking some huge, you know, nine bucks an hour, you work a shift, that's 72 bucks. 
two days wages would be 144 bucks. That's in today's money. How many of us would be ready to give even 144 bucks to help a perfect stranger that you don't know anything about, all you know is they need it? Now, first of all, how many of us would have 144 bucks in our pocket to give? No, but I mean, I'm just wanting to, sometimes we, we hear, read these stories, and if we're not careful, we just sort of go, oh, well, it's a sweet story. But we don't really think about the real cost. To this guy, two days wages, I mean, today, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks who might have all kind of good intentions, but they go, 144 bucks, are you kidding? I need, I need gas, I need groceries, I need, you know, okay. But that's, but that's what it cost him to, to, to act, to not only feel compassion, but act on it. Look, several years ago, we were at an event, and we're standing in line behind some people. There's people behind us, people in front of us. And um, this couple ahead of us, we weren't really talking to them a little bit back and forth. But all of a sudden, I just felt like God was telling me I was supposed to give this guy all the money I had in my wallet. Now, I want you just all to not get excited. I don't get that feeling very often, so... Don't 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 get too hopeful here. Okay, don't get too hopeful here. But but I mean, you know, do you know there are times I mean I wish I could tell you that God just speaks to me real clearly, I mean like every day, but you know, a lot of times it's through his word. But every now and then can can you know of times where God you just felt like God spoke to you? You you know it in your knower, you heard it as it couldn't have been any clearer if there, you know, the clouds had parted and a voice from heaven. You know what I mean? God was telling me to do that. And I think I told you I was feeling that way. I think I, I, this has been years ago, okay? But, but so, you know, there I am and I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, first of all, and I'm trying to come up with you. God, I don't even know how much money's in my wallet. I might have a lot right now. I don't really know, you know, it might be not, not much, right? You know? But I just felt like I was supposed to do it. I, and I just felt like God, it was really clear. All right? So I tried to, I didn't want to do it like public, you know, like I didn't, I didn't want this need to be private. And so I, I don't remember how, I tried to wait for the right moment, you know, where the way he was standing and the way I was standing and I could kind of talk to him. And I said, look, you know, I know this is, you know, maybe weird, but God's just, I feel like he's telling me to give you the money in my wallet. And so I, you know, reached in and I didn't even look at it. I, I still have no idea how much money I gave him. I just took the, took the, whatever the bills were, folded it up, handed it to him as discreetly as I could. He immediately tucked it in his pocket. And uh, all he said to me was, uh, this is really meeting a need. Thank you. That's it. Now, we went on, got food, sat down. We went a different way. We never talked again. I have no idea what the need was. I have no idea how much I gave him. Okay? I have no idea. But all I know is it cost me something to be obedient, but I'm glad I was. You know? And, and however much money it was, we appear to have lived without it. No, I mean, you know, and I don't mean to be silly, but you know what I mean? You know, at the moment, I mean, I have to admit, later I kind of thought, 
you know, I may not have lunch money for, you know, but, you know, but you just, sometimes we're just called to do this stuff. Look, it, you know, clicking's, clicking's clean. Compassion gets a little messy. Gets a little, okay, squeezes you a little bit. Uh, I'll just give you, I just want, I want to, I just want you to see that it's going to cost you at least your time. It may cost you some money. It may cost you some emotional as well. Third and final thing is I just want you to understand that if we allow, that what we want to do is if we will, we want to allow living a life of compassion to change our lives. Right? It'll, it'll, if, if we will live in compassion, if we will show others compassion, it will, it will change lives. The interesting thing, it'll probably change ours as much as theirs. Okay. It'll change ours as much as theirs. Uh, we saw it time after time wherever Jesus went. He showed compassion to others. He acted on it, and their lives were changed. They were healed. They, they received their sight. They were taught, but they were, they were ministered to. You know, I'm just going to tell you one other story. Um, this is about my mom. Okay, um, so lost her about eight years ago. But but she and my dad, for years, uh, have been involved with a, a a foundation that gives scholarships to like college scholarships to not just needy kids, but kids from bad homes. Okay, these are kids that have could have been abuse, abusive homes, physically, sexually. Parents could both be in prison. I mean, the, the, these aren't just kids who don't have money. These are kids who also, without help, would likely end up in jail. Okay? And that's, that's vetted. I mean, these are tough situations, all right? Um, and so part of what this foundation does is they, um, they... The board of the foundation, part of their responsibility is help these kids get jobs, first of all, so that they can earn some money, so they feel good about themselves, right? Earn some money for school, but then what the foundation does is whatever they can't earn, they, they make up the gap, okay? Now, these are kids from tough homes, and, and over the years, I've heard lots of stories about some of these kids, uh, and one of them... Uh, really got to my mom. There was this one young gal who came out of a really tough, uh, abusive home. And, um, and her parents, I think at the time, at least one of them was in prison uh, for dealing drugs at, at the time that the, the foundation picked her up. And uh, so some people uh, that were there helped her. She, she had a job interview that she was going to go to. Well, First thing they realize is this girl didn't have anything to wear to a job interview. So my mom took her shopping for the right clothes to wear to a job interview, okay, because she wanted her to. And, and so it ended up the girl got a job. Well, the bad situation that she had come from still had its hooks in her at that point. And, it, and before too long, I'm sorry to say, she stole some things from where she worked. She got arrested, and she got put in jail. Well, now, it'd be real easy to say, 
if you don't feel compassion, you could say, you got what you deserved. We, get, we, we tried to help you, right? I mean, think about what a lot of people, we tried to help you and you blew it. So now you're on your own. And what they did. So my mom and dad go to visit her in jail. And my mom notices that this gal, like, you know, her hair was kind of, didn't look clean, you know, and kind of messy. Just some things about her just struck her. And so she asked her, she said, well, you know, where, you know, like your toiletries, you know, the things that would, you know, you would use, makeup and things. And, and she said, well, I, obviously when I got arrested, I didn't get the pack, you know. And she said, and, and no one from my family has come to see me. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to, you know, she didn't have a toothbrush, okay. And so my, uh, my mom uh, left the, the cell, uh, where, well, the visiting room where they were, and uh, went to talk to the, the people in the jail. And uh, they said, well, what we have is we have like a little closet, like a little store, you know, that's got toothpaste and toothbrush, you know, basic toiletries. And, uh, uh, you know, the inmates, if they have money, can, you know, can, can buy these things. And so, you know, my, uh, you know, so my mom uh, put some money in her account so she could buy toiletries. And, um, you know, compassion's messy, okay? And, it, and it always just meant a lot to me to hear this story because my dad told her my mom would have never told me about this because, you know, it's just what she did. But, but she was going to help that little girl no matter what, right? Now, at that moment, things don't look too good. But I can tell you that today, that girl is out of jail. She finished school. She's married. She has a baby. You know, the point's this. If we'll hang in there with people, if we will show them compassion, even when they may not deserve it, in spite, at least by the world's view of fair, not fair, we will change lives. We will change lives. And I assure you, stories like that changed my mom and dad as much as it changed anyone they helped. So today, the real question for all of us is who do we want to be? You know, do, do we, we, can, we can really get caught up in our own lives. We can really get caught up in our own schedules. We can really get caught up in our own agendas. We can really get caught up in just stuff. And it's not bad stuff, right? That doesn't make it bad stuff. It's good stuff. It's our families. It's our lives. It's our jobs. It's our, you know, whatever our plans are. But if we allow ourselves to become so inwardly focused that even when God drops a need, drops a person right in front of us, that we just bypass them because we're too busy. Just think of the, the opportunities we may miss to change lives for eternity. Where, where a kind word, a few bucks, clothes for an interview, just simple things that a lot of us take for granted. But to that person, it can mean the world. That's what Jesus did. And I think that's what he's calling us to do. So would you stand with me and let's pray.
all just, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. It's just a chance for personal kind of introspection. But, you know, today, you know, if you'd be willing to say, God, yeah, I give you permission. God, I give you This is dangerous. If you do this, just remember, I'm, I'm telling you that you're going to do something dangerous, okay? But God, I give you permission to make me more compassionate. God, I give you permission. It's okay, Lord, if you want to interrupt my schedule. It's okay if it costs me something. But Lord, my desire is to be your hands and feet. God, I want to, I want to be someone who brings help and hope and healing to people whose lives are broken and hurting. If that's you, if you would say, yeah, today, I, God, I'm going to give you permission to do that with me. Just, just raise your hand. Just say, yep, yep, yep that's, I'm, I'm in. It's okay. Great, great. Lord, today you've seen our hands, but more importantly, Lord, you've seen our hearts. So, Lord, I just pray that today we would be willing to open our hearts. We'd be willing, Lord, to be sensitive to what's going on around us. God, I pray that we would understand that compassion, Lord, is something that you showed others and it's something we should too. So, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, I just speak compassion. Lord, I call forth compassion, a spirit of compassion to flood each of us, Lord, to fill us, to direct us. Lord, I pray that in the future weeks we will have incredible testimonies to share of the ways that you have placed people in our paths and that we've been willing to allow our schedule to be interrupted. We've been willing, Lord, to allow and accept the cost. And that, Lord, you will have touched and changed our hearts and lives as you've used us to transform and touch others, to be your hands and feet, Lord. I call that forth. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in each life here. In Jesus' name, amen.